What's happening, everybody? Happy Thursday, and welcome to the Rookie Rundown with my boy, Dallas Hyder. It is your boy, Memphis, and I just want to jump on real quick, not to hijack my man show, but if you were looking for Wednesday's show and you didn't find it or you thought it was a repeat of the Ryan McDowell show, that is incorrect. There was an issue with iTunes. We didn't have the issue with Spotify or Stitcher or Podbean for whatever reason. It was a temporary iTunes issue. That that episode is up, and it is labeled correctly. So please enjoy this edition of The Rookie Rundown with Dallas. And we'll be back on Friday with Josh Larkey of Roto Underworld. But until then, enjoy the show with Dallas, and make sure to download Wednesday's show if you didn't get it via iTunes. Have a great day, guys. And as Memphis said, here I am, solo. We're here, boys. So uncharacteristically, I'm going to be running about nothing but rookies tonight. We've done podcasts in the past where we've talked about rookie upside, the draft, some mock drafts. But I'm going to be starting a new series tonight where we are going to call it the good old Oklahoma drill. So any of you that are not familiar with the NFL and practice scheme on the practice field, the Oklahoma drill is a 1v1 mono-e-mono, typically offensive versus defensive lineman, linebacker versus running back drill, where you will get a man versus another man. And guess what? One's going to win. They're either going to rush the passer, they're going to hit you, or they're going to be blocked the shit out of this. One word tonight, all right? So a lot of content out there right now is between people that are comparing players that are not very similar. You have a ranking list where you are left with five to ten guys that all play quite differently. Uh, What I'm doing tonight is specifically comparing two guys that play the similar role, and not only the similar role, but they are going to be utilized in the same fashion in the NFL during the rookie years. So what I'm looking at is, as the episode is titled, the curious case of Kadarius Tony versus Minnie Mouse Ronald Moore. Two slot wide receivers for an Arizona team in a New York team that will be playing a semi viable role in your fantasy lineups, both in Dynasty and in Redraft this coming up year. So I'd ask you, but you're not live, so it's all right. Are we going to go to New York? We're going to go to Arizona. I'm an East Coast guy. I know I live in uh, Kansas area right now, but I'm actually lived quite a bit in the East Coast. So we'll go with New York first. So we will delve into the Kadarius Tony situation first tonight. So looking at it, you're looking at Kadarius Tony coming in at six foot flat, 193 pounds, a little bit older than our other guy tonight. So he is 22 years old. Um, it's not super old, but it's not super young. So he's kind of smack dab in that middle range, a little bit younger than a guy like Terry McLaurin, who came in two years ago, but also quite a bit older than some of the younger prospects, such as Rhonda Moore or even Terrace Marshall this year. He was selected 20th overall by the New York Giants after a trade back with my very own Chicago Bears. And we're going to delve a little bit into the stats that he had with his team, as well as the stats that he's looking at specifically with his New York Giants offense run by Jason Garrett. So coming out of college, He was sitting actually at a 19.4% target share with his team. That's not all that shocking when you have a guy like Kyle Pitts, who's also coming out. Kyle Trask with a couple of young talent that is actually coming out of the Florida University staff. But 
The thing that's concerning is that 70% of his actual stats came in his senior year. So what we're looking at over his entirety career, the four years that he was at Florida, was 120 receptions for 1,590 yards with a 13.3 average per reception yardage. So that's a little bit higher than the average receiver in the NFL, but it's lower than those deep threats that you typically get that are sitting right around 18 to 20 yardage per average, which is what we're seeing with Jalen Waddell and even Devonta Smith in college this year. Over those four years in college, Kadarius Toney hit a 12 receiving touchdown total, which is, you know, kind of moderate, not that wild. But you look at his rushing usage, and that's where you start to get a little bit peaked with your interest. So Kadarius Tony came in with a total of 66 rushes over his four years for 580 yards. So those were only turned into two touchdowns, but that is very similar production to a guy like Debo Samuel you saw coming out of South Carolina two years ago. On average, if you're seeing roughly about I don't know, 20 rushing touches coming out of your back per year or wide receiver, as we like to call it here. Uh, That's something that you really like to see. So Debo Samuel, since he came into San Francisco, has seen 48 receptions over two years. Sorry, not receptions, 48 carries over two years. That is quite a bit from a guy who is supposed to be posting up out wide. Those have been turned into three touchdowns, which is very comparable to the two rushing touchdowns that Kadarius Tony saw, as well as the overall introduction to the rushing game and the passing game that you're looking for for an overall slot receiver, kind of, is what we're looking at tonight. So you have Rondell Moore and Kadarius Tony that are filling those same roles. They're both quick as well as fast, long speed. So for Kadarius Tony, he's seen quite a bit more production than a guy like Rondell Moore, who we're going to compare him to on the ground, but it's pretty comparable. The one aspect that I'm a little bit concerned about with Kadarius Tony is the fact that most of his production came his senior year. It wasn't that he had a lot of large talent actually forcing him into that late breakout age like you'll get with other guys at LSU or Alabama or even, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, those guys. The problem was he just didn't pop out. And so that's the main issue that I have with Kadarius Tony. So when he's coming into Jason Garrett's offense, I'm seeing a guy that didn't have a lot of college production and a guy that, although he has good traits, has not actually proven on the field a lot. So when you look into a little bit deeper of the situation that he's looking at, he's coming in, as well as Rondell Moore, as at-maxed wide receiver two in their situation. So you come into New York, you have Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, as well as the two tight ends that they currently have on their roster in Evan Ingram and Kyle Rudolph. So you're sitting there, you're looking at it. All right, so for me, the wide receiver one in New York after Saquon, obviously, because those are little dumb bops, is still going to be Darius Slayton. He is the deep target. You have Sterling Shepard sitting in the slot. So you're coming in with Darius Tony, and you're looking at it, and you're like, okay, uh, there's not a lot of targets to go around. There's a back that we like to throw to. There's a deep threat that we have an option to, as well as the new guy in Kenny Galladay, who's the true X that they're bringing in. So... When you break down the actual stats, you look at Jason Garrett's offense for the last two years. 
So Jason Garrett of the last two years has had an overall offense ranking at 17th average of those two years. The pass-specific offense, which is important for the wide receivers, is sitting at 15th. So pretty much smack dab consistent in the middle of the NFL is what you're looking at in pass average. So you're not looking at a lot of large stats. When you dive a little bit deeper, I look specifically at the ceiling that you get with both players. So for Kadarius Tony, at his ceiling, he is the wide receiver too, behind Kenny Galladay. The total targets average of the last two years for the wide receiver two in the New York Giants offense is 87. So it's not very high. You're not looking at that plus 100. So you're not looking at a viable fantasy option when it comes to a wide receiver one or wide receiver two. When you dive a little bit deeper even to that, you look at the total pass volume average. So per year over the last two years, Daniel Jones has thrown for 453 passes over the last two years. That's in the bottom 10, both two years, averaging out to 453. When you go to the actual QB accuracy on target rating, you have a rating of 73% on target rating. That's actually in the top half. So Daniel Jones, although not a very consistent volume passer, is a pretty consistent average on target passer when it comes to the NFL. When you're actually looking at the fantasy points that are associated with these numbers that I'm throwing out, you are looking at the wide receiver two fantasy finishes over the last two years. So when you average it out, not looking that great, guys, for New York Giants. So over the last two years, the two averages for Jason Garrett offense has been 30th ranked wide receiver. So you're looking at a wide receiver three mid to late is what you're looking at at best at the ceiling of the wide receiver two in a Jason Garrett offense. The one aspect that does shift this a little bit is the vacated targets associated with the New York Giants. So specifically with the offense, you were looking at 134 vacated targets associated with the New York Giants offense. 101 of those were two wide receivers that have since left. So there is a large target volume that is associated with people that are no longer on the team, specifically Golden Tate. But what you're looking at right now is these averages that they're throwing to at the wide receiver two in the position. So Golden Tate is not looking like a large target hog, right, in the previous offenses. Well, if Golden Tate isn't looking like the large target hog, you're also not seeing that with a guy like Kadarius Tony. Although he's an offensive weapon that was drafted 20th overall for the New York Giants, there's a lot to be questioned about the actual overall offense that Jason Garrett is going to be running in New York, as well as the overall upside based off of college production. So he's a little bit more of a projection than he is anything that you're looking to long term. That is a different case when you look at our comparison in Minnie Mouse, Rondell Moore. So actual measurables, not as illustrious as Kadarius Tony. You're looking at Rondell Moore coming in at five foot seven and 182 pounds. The one benefit, he's 20 years old. He's a youngin. I feel old saying that he's 20 years old and coming into the NFL. So he was selected almost an entire round after our guy Kadarius Tony. So he was selected 49th overall, but when you delve into the stats, it's a little bit more a little bit more savory is how I'd say it. So his target percentage as compared to Kadarius Tony's 19.4 was 31.4. So he saw almost 
a third of his team's production on offense when it came to the passing game. His overall four-year, uh, sorry, three-year career when it comes to passing stats is 178 receptions compared to Kadarius Tony's 120 for 1,915 yards, as well as a slightly lower 10.8 yards per reception. That's to be expected from a slot. Kadarius Tony's yards per reception was actually quite a bit higher because his yak was a little bit higher. I didn't include the stat specifically, but it accounted for that difference in the yards per reception versus yak. The receiving touchdowns, Rondell Moore beat him again at 14 over those three years as opposed to four years, as well as you go into the rushing production specifically for Rondell Moore. So Kadarius Tony ended his entire four-year career with 66 rushing attempts for 580 yards. Rondell Moore in three years accounted for 30 rushing attempts for 348 yards and one more touchdown at three in the rushing production. So the total games played between the two receivers, you're looking at Kadarius Tony at 38 versus 20 for Rondell Moore. Although the 20 is attributed largely to injury perception, the hamstring is what you're looking at with Rondell Moore. That's a large production gap specifically with Rondell Moore making up a lot of it in a far lesser amount of games. So when you dive a little bit into the offense specifically, you can see why there's a little bit more of a advantageous situation when it comes to Rondell Moore compared to Kadarius Tony, just from the situation, not alone with the actual college stats. So as a reminder, when you're looking at Jason Garrett's offense with New York Giants, you're looking at roughly the 17th and 15th total offense and passing offense average. When you look at the Cliff Kingsbury averages over the last two years, you're looking at the 13th and the 14th ranked offensive averages and passing ranked averages. So it actually beats out in both categories compared to a Jason Garrett. And then when you actually look at the wide receiver targets, percentages, and accuracy percentages, Daniel Jones and the offense alone cannot match what we've gotten from Kyler Murray over the last two years. So from Kyler Murray, the last two years, the wide receiver two average target has been 93. So that's six more than the actual one that you're getting from the New York Giants quarterback, Daniel Jones. And then when you go to the total pass volume, that's where the stats actually stick a big leap. So as compared to the 453 that you're getting from Daniel Jones of the last two years, you're getting an average pass volume of 550. So nearly 100 more passes from a guy like Kyler Murray as opposed to Daniel Jones. So when you're looking at those QB on target percentages, which is what we really care about when it comes to the actual passing stats, there's a 4% difference. So as opposed to 73%, on target average from Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray is at a 77% over the last two years. When it comes to the wide receiver two finishes, that's where we get a little bit sketchy. So you know that this last year, Newt came in, specifically DeAndre Hopkins, into that Arizona offense. Before that, you were dealing with Larry Fitzgerald as your wide receiver one. So this is where the stat, I'm going to dive a little bit in, take a little bit out of it, because the guys coming out of Arizona the last two years have been a little bit less standard-wise as opposed to those coming out of New York Giants. Right? So as much as people want to crap on Golden Tate, he was very consistent. As much as people want to 
crap on Darius Slayton's last year, his rookie year was a top 24 season. So what I'm looking at right now as an average is you're seeing a bunch of nobodies, including Christian Kirk and the newly attributed AJ Green, who is very much past his prime, into an offense that primarily focused on DeAndre Hopkins last year, and then absolutely no one the year prior. So the fact that the age-old 34 Larry Fitzgerald averaged with Nuke Hopkins was somehow able to average a top 50 finish is actually pretty good when you think about it. So when you're looking at the vacated targets after that stat, you were looking at an extra 20 targets, so 156 as compared to the 134 associated with the New York Giants that have been vacated with the actual Arizona Cardinals. So when you're actually diving into the numbers on these ones, you're looking at two guys that play a very similar role. Coming out of Purdue, Rondell Moore had 62% of his total career stats in his freshman year. And as I pointed out earlier, you had nearly 70% of Darius Tony's stats coming in his senior year. So you have a dichotomy between two guys that were early risers and late finishers. When you're looking at guys like that, it's really hard to dive into the details and not realize that it's kind of hard to peg which one's going to hit. There's the... How do I phrase this? There's the kind of situation where you deal with with the late risers, where you're dealing with wide receivers who are a late breakout age where you're concerned about. But in recent years, we've seen guys like Terry McLaurin, who have only broken out in their senior years, finally figuring out their craft. The guys that have broken out three years ago, such as Rondell Moore, you have guys who are directly into the college system, dominating, which is usually a very good sign for a young dominator age, but then tailing off. And you'd like to call Rondell Moore not injury prone, but the fact that he's played 18 less games in less than a season difference between him and Kadarius Tony is alarming to me. This is a hard one, guys. All right, so you're looking at a guy like Rondell Moore, who I really liked coming into the season, and a guy like Kadarius Tony, who I really didn't. I don't think Kadarius Tony is as fast as people think he is. I don't think he's as explosive as people think he is. I think he's very shifty, and he's good at in-space type of work. But when you're dealing with an athlete like Rondell Moore, it's not comparable. So you're looking at these stats. You're looking at two extremely different quarterbacks in Daniel Jones versus Kyler Murray. Everyone talks about the uh, Konami code. Uh, The Konami code is solely in Kyler Murray's hands. Daniel Jones has sprinkles of it. You're looking at guys who are going to be both used in the slot as well as in the run game. Can anyone tell me who's going to stop from a linebacking court Kyler Murray handing off to Rondell Moore in the backfield. I can't name anyone. Leave it in the comments. Leave it on the DWZ comments. At me, at Sally Galore. I'd love to hear it. But for me, from a standpoint, situational-wise, Rondell Moore is walking into a much better situation. The mouth that we're not talking about feeding the most in this situation since I've started 
is that of the running back position. You're looking at Arizona, and you have guys like Chase Edmonds, James Conner, two guys that are not workhorses. They've been proven not to be able to hold up both injury-wise as well as carry-wise to the actual per-carry average that you're looking at for an offense that's effective. I classify that as above 4.0. Same as college, you know, same as high school. 4.0 average, that's what I'm looking for. James Conner, 3.2. Chase Edmonds, 3.8. Both not above 4.0. Saquon Barthley, when healthy for the New York Giants, averaging above a 5.0. Okay, if you take games he has not been injured in, games he has not left early, above a 5.0. We've seen his long burst ability. We've seen his durability. If you're a defense, who are you going to be guarding more? Saquon Barkley or Chase Edmonds? Yeah, that's what I thought. Everyone answered the same thing. In your car, at home, watching me potentially. But it's okay. If you're looking at the opportunity and where the defense is going to be focusing at, it's going to be the wide receiver position for the Arizona Cardinals, and it's going to be the running back position for the New York Giants. So Kenny Galladay will be taking away the first target when it comes to the actual wide receiver cornerback position. And when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals, New Hopkins will be taking away that first cornerback. You look at their strength of schedule. This is always a fun one. Everyone looks to look at. When it comes to the supposed last year wide receiver strength of schedule, you're looking at the Arizona Cardinals at seventh and hardest coming into this season. And you are looking at the New York Giants as the 22nd hardest. So there's been a lot of back and forth knowledge. There's been a lot of back and forth debates when it comes to percentages in college and what you're looking for in the new percentages coming into their new teams. They each have projected number one starters coming in in Kenny Galladay, New Hopkins. Both when healthy, I'll give it to Kenny Galladay, he's a boss when he's healthy, are dominant. Nuke is more dominant. Coverages will be leaning towards New Hopkins. Kenny Galladay, kind of just a guy. When you, I mean, grand scheme of things, it's just kind of a guy. So then at that point, you're looking at a broad spectrum against the New York Giants. Their division, although not hard, is going to be led by defense as well as running game in Saquon Barkley. Some of the more schemed plays are going to be run towards a guy like Saquon Barkley as opposed to a guy like Kadarius Tony. Even though he was selected 29 picks prior to Rondell Moore, the opportunity in a high-flying offense is much more present for a guy like Rondell Moore as opposed to Kadarius Tony. So specifically, when you are comparing these two guys, I'm leaning Rondell Moore every time. Some of your drafts may be over. Some of your drafts may not be over. I'm just telling you, for first-year production, what you are looking at when you're looking at these two wide receivers who are going to be used in a Debo Samuel light role is how I would describe them. Um, Neither one of them I see as being as effective because Debo breaks tackles like nobody's business. But when you're looking at a situation like those two, I'm leaning Rondell Moore. 
Many Miles More, as I so aptly titled. He's a guy that has the opportunity, the college production, and the specific case of not having a short target wide receiver slash running back target to compete with him. Christian Kirk has always been a deep threat. You know who hasn't been? Sterling Shepard. There's a lot of targets pointing at Rondell Moore as opposed to Kadarius Tony as being an early breakout. So he's the target that if I'm in a dynasty or even a redraft league, I'm targeting. If you're a contender in a dynasty league, you're going after Rondell Moore, not Kadarius Tony, in the second round. I know the draft capital can be a little bit confusing sometimes, and I know that you're kind of uneasy when it comes to a Cliff Kingsbury offense. You should be just as sketchy when it comes to a Jason Garrett offense, though. If it's not in Dallas, he hasn't proved it. I know, that seems pompous. My name's Dallas. It's all right. I understand, guys. But when I'm coming at you, I'm coming at a numbers basis. I'm a numbers guy, science guy. And when I see Rondell Moore and his opportunity versus Kadarius Tony, it's not a question. There's a lot of guys in both offenses outside of their top targets. And when it comes to the guys that they can overstep, I think they're pretty even when it comes to the wide receiver position. But the running back position, specifically out of the backfield, as well as the target short, is not even close between Chase Edmonds and James Conner versus Saquon Barkley. I know there's a lot in the air with Saquon's health, but for me, he's still looking at like a guy who's a top five running back, in dynasty circles at least, as well as redraft. He should be. But you're not drafting even close to that when it comes to Chase Edmonds and James Conner. So when you're comparing the curious case of Kadarius Tony versus Minnie Mouse Moore, you're comparing two guys, although similar profiles, similar yardage, similar touchdowns, both on the ground and in the receiving game for Power 5 conference teams, you're not comparing similar situations, which is what I'm here to do. I'm here to go over the numbers, both of their rookie year, as well as their college production and what they're looking at when they come into the NFL. So, as always, you guys are going to learn. When it comes to the Oklahoma drill, we're looking at mono a mono, offense versus offense, targets versus targets, and guess what? Opportunity is key. So when I'm looking at this situation, I'm looking at Rondell Moore over Kadarius Tony. It may be further in the past. It may be not as sexy as a guy, you know, Kyle Trask throwing to Kadarius Tony. But when I'm looking at the quarterback situation as well as the running back situation for both the Arizona Cardinals and the New York Giants, I'm looking at Rondell Moore to completely wipe the floor with Kadarius Tony in his rookie year as well as his second year year. Okay. You're looking at the end of the contracts for both Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, as well as AJ Green. So if AJ Green leaves the Arizona Cardinals, 
Oh, sorry. I guess I should have stated this as well. Uh, Christian Kirk is also leaving at the end of this year. You're looking at nothing but Nuke and Rondell Moore and Galladay and Kadarius Tony. If that's the option going into 2022 as opposed to 2021, I'm still leaning more. I like the quarterback situation. I like the running back situation being up in the air. And he's just a freak, guys. You all have seen the squat video. You all have seen the situation going on, both in the highlights. I'm an Ohio State guy. I always say this. Clemson did not beat Ohio State. Sammy Watkins did. And guess what? Purdue didn't beat Ohio State. Rondell Moore did. So, some to consider. In this week's Oklahoma drill, you're looking at these two slot receiver, all-encompassing weapons. I'm telling you right now, lean Rondell Moore in rookie drafts, in redrafts, trade for him. He's more illustrious than the draft capital that is associated with Kadarius Tony. You can hate me. You can find me in my DMs, at Selagor, like I talked about. But that's my take. And signing off, we're here to make your rosters better, guys. I'm here to talk about rookies. If you ever want to talk about rookies, hit me up at Sal Galore. Hit me up in the Patreon. If you're not in the Patreon, it's the DWZ Patreon. You should be there. You should be liking it. You should be deep inside of it. All right? Signing off for tonight on the first of many rookie rundowns, specifically the Oklahoma drill. Go in the wide receivers, uh, wide receiver position this week, guys. All right, guess what's coming next week? Running back. Guess who's not talking? The top three guys per everyone. Me. We're diving into the guys that make your rosters. Second, third, and fourth round. That's what I'm here for. Everyone's talked about the first round guys. Everyone understands their college production and their landing spots and their draft capital. I'm here to talk about the guys that will actually win you leagues later on down the road. So, signing off for this week on a beautiful Sunday night here in KCMO slash KCK. Dallas, at Salad Galore. Find me, catch me. I'll see you guys next week.